Hello, this is Weathering Coronavirus Updates and Hope. I'm your host, Kurt Linville. I started this podcast to try to keep people informed, to provide a perspective that could be encouraging, and to bring hope to a very difficult situation, which is the coronavirus epidemic that we're all experiencing right now. I have to say the news over the last couple of days has not been very encouraging. And so I want to give you a a bit of a fear warning. Today's podcast will provide hope, but it's also seeking to ferret out the truth out of all of these news articles and to provide perspective that will help us. I believe that knowledge is power, and I would rather not be ignorant of what's going on. Rather, I would like to know the developments so that I can do the best I can to do good things and make wise decisions in these troubled times. So here we go into somewhat challenging news. The economic impacts are starting to be counted now. This is from APNews.com, the Associated Press. 22 million Americans have filed for unemployment. Just last week, there were 5.2 million new filings. The U.S. workforce is about 159 million. 22 million is 14%. Some economists are saying that the unemployment rate could reach 20% this month, which is the highest since the Great Depression. This is bad economic news. This is scary news. What do we do with this? How should we respond to this? There are no easy answers. It sounds so very cold to speak of potential lives lost and of the economy at the same time. No one wants to put a dollar value on a human life. It's just sociopathic to do that. So there's no mathematical formula to apply here. Reopening is paramount for the economy. And reopening coming out of this lockdown is nearly guaranteed to create a huge spike in new COVID-19 cases. It will happen. Have we backed ourselves into a corner we can't easily get out of? We find ourselves in a very undesirable position of battling a two-headed monster. Coronavirus says stay in social isolation. The economy and personal finances for millions of families call for us to get back to work. Is there a way that we can do both? Good news is that very smart and informed people are working on recommendations for the exit strategy now. That is in the news, and a a week or two ago, it wasn't being talked about that much. I'm glad that it is a conversation that we are now having. But really, they do have few options. I think we know how this is going to play out. We can probably guess. Using our case study of Gunnison County as a tiny little microcosm, just because the numbers are easier to wrap around, there were three known COVID-19 cases in the county when the health department instigated our lockdown. Now, Gunnison County has reported 101 positive tests for the SARS-CoV-2 virus. There have also been 203 negative tests. But the testing here, like the rest of the world, has been limited to the cases where there's a strong evidence that the patient does indeed have the virus. Roughly 30% of those tested, because it was already suspected they were positive for the coronavirus, actually did test positive. But more than twice that number of people self-reported symptoms and were never tested. And how many never even self-reported? We don't really know. What do these numbers tell us? Well, the lockdown was triggered by three known cases. 
Gunnison County now has hundreds of ongoing cases, though we do not know how many. What happens if the lockdown were canceled right now? No doubt, we are successfully curtailing the spread of the SARS-CoV-2. But we have more cases now than ever before and the virus is still spreading. If the safety measures were canceled and everyone was to return to normal behaviors, then the resulting outbreak would be worse than the first. And I don't mean by a little bit. I think it would be worse by orders of magnitude. And the economy is diving down, down, down. We will not be able to wait until some measured eradication of the SARS-CoV-2 before we can exit this extreme social distancing. It's very likely that eradication will not happen perhaps ever. We may have a vaccine for SARS-CoV-2 in the next year to 18 months if the virus does not mutate faster than we can develop the vaccine. That's yet to be seen, we really don't know. But that is a path that is being pursued with great intent. But eradication before ending the lockdowns is not a strategy to consider. It will not happen in time. We might as well face that. Rather, we need to base the exit strategy on society's ability to manage COVID-19. This means ongoing protecting of susceptible populations. It means vastly increased testing for active COVID-19 cases and even more for the SARS-CoV-2 antibodies. It also means vastly increased medical resources to assist those who need it. We will eventually have an easing of restrictions with close monitoring to see if new cases increase, but this monitoring will very likely result in more lockdowns. This is the dance. So you ease restrictions. That's going to lead to caseloads increasing. And that's going to lead to increased restrictions. Repeat. That's the cycle we're going to go through as we dance with re-entering the new normal. But as immunity can be established among those with the antibodies, then these should be able to function freely again at work, in retail stores, in hospitals, etc. Eventually, these numbers will grow and more and more people will carry the get-out-of-jail-free card. How long will all this take? Months. I don't think there's any way around that. That's my estimate, but I think it's months. But continued falling economic conditions may not allow for this slow and measured dance. You see, it's not a two-way dance back and forth between COVID-19 and the easing of restrictions. It's a three-way dance, with lives lost from economic impacts also measured and dancing too. The not-too-distant future will be about managing living with SARS-CoV-2 rather than being free from it. The current state of lockdown, as necessary and as effective as it is, cannot continue long-term. We will have to formulate strategies for living with COVID-19 illnesses as a society going forward on a long-term basis. There is a startling statistic from a study done by Columbia back in 2011. This was cited in the New York Times. At least 250,000 people die every year from poverty in America. What happens when the service industry is shut down for months and months and months? Well, poverty increases. However, in America, what causes a lot of the deaths from poverty are so-called deaths of despair. People are not starving to death. Rather, they adopt destructive habits like alcohol and drug abuse 
and the suicide rates go up. So these deaths can take years to happen. So there's a chance that we can have this crisis turned around in time to minimize the deaths from despair. But still, this is kind of the metric we need to look into. A quarter million people in the United States every year die as a result of poverty. Luckily, a lot of those are indirectly, but that matters. If the poverty rate increases in the United States, so do deaths. So there's a real balance here. But what else can we do to minimize deaths from despair? Can we love our neighbors as ourselves? Can we treat others the way that we would want to be treated? Can love be the power that gets us through this? I would like to propose that love will be the power that gets us through. Ultimately, no matter how this plays out, in the end, it will come down to how well we can care for each other that really matters most. We care for each other by protecting the susceptible populations. We care for each other by helping those in need. We care for each other by going back to work and to school responsibly when the time comes. Love provides the power to carry on regardless of the circumstances. Love will be the power that gets us through this. So practice love. Get better at it. Why not? As we start discussing the exit strategies, we must admit that we're not ready yet. We still not have the medical resources. We do not have enough active COVID-19 tests, and we do not have any FDA-approved antibody tests. We don't even have the weapons on hand to fight the war. So we'll need to continue to shelter at home for some time longer. Flattening the curve is only one step of many necessary steps. The numbers today are not surprising. Increases in testing counts have resulted in increases in known COVID-19 cases, of course. The curve by this metric is not getting flatter because we are still accelerating the testing. But there's some good news. The number of recovered cases broke a half million. This is the number to root for. That's fantastic. And that number is growing quickly now. 535,000 people have recovered from COVID-19 illnesses. Yahoo, that's great. While there are over 2 million known cases worldwide now, a full quarter of those have recovered. That's great. The U.S. has the most identified cases now by more than a factor of three. Ouch. The U.S. also now has 50% more deaths than the country with the second highest death count, which is Italy. And these trends are going to continue. But remember, the U.S. and deaths per 1 million is at 98 and Italy is at 358. This is because we're doing a bit better at not overwhelming our medical resources. Nearly half the cases in the U.S. are still in New York and New Jersey. It takes the sum of all the other 48 states to get parity with that. That means that if you're not in the New York metro area, the counts are still very low. People send some prayers up for New York, New Jersey, and for all the people with COVID-19 around the world. It's an act of love to do so. Acts of love matter right now. The more love you give, the more love you will have to give. It's an infinite resource. Let's get it flowing powerfully. In other news, 
FoxNews.com reports this morning that there is evidence of a major Chinese cover-up of a lab conducting coronavirus research with bats in Wuhan, China. Oh boy. There's not evidence of nefarious intent, nor proof that the SARS-CoV-2 actually came from this lab. There's no evidence of militarizing the virus. But it seems research was being done and subpar safety standards may have caused someone who they're calling patient zero, to get sick. Just last Monday, I reported from LiveScience.com that it was highly unlikely that this virus was from human design. From a scientific perspective, I still believe that report to be correct. Highly unlikely, however, is not impossible. But does it matter now? Only in one way. You see, the cat is out of the bag, so to speak. There's no getting SARS-CoV-2 back in the bag, so why does it matter? Well, bio-research must, must follow the very strictest of safety guidelines, and it might be that this lab in Wuhan failed to do that. It matters because we have to isolate the true cause so this can never happen again, ever. And if it did not happen this time, if the virus did not come out of the lab, then we still need to do the same due diligence so this will never happen for the first time in the future. Bio-research can be more dangerous than atomic weapons. We, meaning all of humanity, must never let down our guard. Never. This is why this story matters. There are several other stories that are bouncing around the news that are all regarding... President Trump and the way that he's managing this crisis for America. President Trump keeps encouraging a quick return to normalcy while others are saying that it's impossible. Okay, the politicalization of this crisis is ongoing. That's really the report that we should note here. May I encourage you, for your own sake, don't participate in the political posturing and gesturing and positioning when it comes to this crisis. Any serving president has no choice but to offer as much hope as she or he can muster. If a president does not, then fear will increase the damage to the whole planet severely, and usually that's through economic pitfalls. Any president, whether loved or hated, regardless of approval ratings or political ideologies, has to provide hope in times like these, and the president's political adversaries will try to manipulate the story to blame the president. Political party doesn't matter here, folks. The president has to show that she or he is in charge of the situation and doing something great. The opposing political side will try to show the opposite. Does this do anything good for anybody? Please, for your own sake, don't get wrapped up in the political side of this epidemic. Rather, we the people need to be focused on solutions and love and weathering these challenging times together. Frankly, the more political this becomes, the worse the outcomes are likely to be. That's because politically charged decisions are unlikely to be the best decisions. Join the Do the Right Thing movement, regardless of your political history. This is not a time for games. We will soon be approaching the decision window for whether or not the shelter-at-home orders will be extended across America. For example, the governor of Colorado only has the authority to issue such orders for 30 days at a time. The first orders will soon expire. 
Governors will be making announcements. County and city health directors and departments will be making announcements. Might as well prepare yourself. There will be much talk about easing restrictions, and they will not be eased. At least not soon. The lockdowns will continue for some time yet. We're still in the midst of the storm, and we're still trying to get the cells trimmed and reefed right, and we're still looking for the oars. So what is the word of encouragement for this episode? The word of encouragement is love. Love each other. Treat others the way that you want to be treated. It does no good to do otherwise. It's going to be okay no matter what happens if we continue to support and love each other. It's a storm. It is unpleasant. But there's a greater good here, and loving and learning to love better are two fantastic outcomes. Remember, love is an infinite resource, and you are the conduit. The more you love, the more love there is to give. My recommendation for weathering this crisis together yet apart is to get outside every single day. Be physically active, breathe some fresh air, get some sun in your face. Make sure that you contact those you care about frequently. Send texts, make phone calls, get on Zoom or Skype and have a face-to-face conversation. We may not be able to get together and hug, but we can send air hugs to each other, and that really matters. Do these things. Make sure that you're getting out of bed and getting ready for your day, showering and doing everything you would normally do, even if you're not reporting to an office. Don't allow this to be an excuse to increase your vices. Eat right. Don't abuse alcohol or drugs. Do the things that bring health and joy, and you know what those things are. And remember that in all this loving, there will be a lot of patience, required to weather this storm. It's not going to be over soon. I keep seeing over and over again people that are being very honest with the projections who are saying that we will probably still be practicing a lot of extreme social distancing this fall. So it's not going to end right away. You might as well buckle down for the long haul and look for positive things that you can do. Find your daily purpose and apply yourself to it each day. Don't dwell on the negatives, but rather act toward the positives. Make the most of the situation as best as you can. Make sure you do stay in touch with those loved ones. And remember, it's the power of love that's going to get us through this. So you might as well start loving more and more and more today. Thank you for listening to Weathering Coronavirus Updates and Hope. I am Kurt Linville. This show is produced by Caleb Linville. Until the next episode, be safe out there.